First Financial Bank is one of the nation's leading small business lenders, originating nearly 400 million in pharmacy loans. Their lending team has over 75 years of pharmacy experience and includes pharmacists as well as current and former pharmacy owners. They have the industry-specific expertise and knowledge to help you finance your pharmacy. First Financial was approved to offer small business administration loan products under SBA's preferred lender program and offer financing solutions to help practicing pharmacists meet a wide range of business needs, such as acquisition, equipment financing, expansion and remodeling, business refinancing, and startups. Learn more at ffb1.com. That's ffb1.com. Member FDIC. Listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at pharmacypodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Operating an independent community pharmacy is challenging. Inventory strategies, financial expertise, employment management, and understanding your pharmacy's key performance indicators can make all the difference in your business's success and sustainability within your community. This is Pharmacy Insiders with Bob Grohl. Pharmacy Insiders is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. On November 17th, business.com reported it's a good time to be in the market for a small business loan. Interest rates are low and lenders have money to put to work. Today, it's my pleasure to have two of the top SBA pharmacy lenders in the country from First Financial Bank. We have Drew Haggai and Bo Garman. How are you guys? Doing great, Bob. Thanks for having us on. Hi, Bob. Good to be here. Thanks. Thanks. Um, let me get started with uh, talking about a few things. They, they, um, as business.com reported, um, it's a good time to borrow. Um, is SBA the best option you think for borrowing? Can you tell me a little bit of difference between SBA lending and uh, commercial lending? Sure, we can, we can talk to that, Bob. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, SBA, we, you know, that's what we do. Uh, so we 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 put a lot of value in the SBA and, and think it's a, it's a good avenue for for people looking to purchase pharmacies. Uh, as always, you know, I would encourage you to to, to look at all your options, but. Um, you know, in the, in the pharmacy space, really, SBA tends to be the best option um, just because when working with conventional lenders, uh, they really want to see hard collateral. And in the in working with people buying pharmacies, a lot of times what we're buying is just goodwill. Uh, so there's no tangible assets there. Um, so therefore, the conventional lenders may or may not be comfortable with that. Uh, the SBA product allows us as a bank to be uh, more comfortable with purchasing of goodwill because there is a guarantee in place. Yeah, that, that's right, Bob. I mean, I, we understand the desire to use, you know, the local bank down the street where, you know, the loan officer there and, you know, he's in your community uh, with you. But the, 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 just the fact of the matter is the local bank is not going to be comfortable with uh, financing as much uh, blue sky or goodwill like Bo talked about that independent pharmacies have. I mean, there's value in prescription files. It may not be tangible, uh, but there is value there. And combine that with the need for working capital, 
you know, money above and beyond the purchase price to buy your drugs, to pay your staff. Uh, that need is significant for pharmacists and small business owners as well in this industry. And so that's where we really understand what's needed and why so many pharmacy loans go through the SBA as opposed to, you know, a conventional loan from your local bank. Yeah, just to touch on kind of the environment out there. Yeah, we, we are definitely uh, willing to lend money, looking to lend money. Rates are, as you mentioned, very low and the, the terms are favorable right now. Well, thanks, guys. And then um, on uh, December 16th, Forbes um, had, had an article in which um, they talked about the pandemic has changed small business owners' view of, of taking loans. And a survey of 1,000 small business owners commissioned by PayPal and conducted by Wakefield Research uh, just before Labor Day found out that 27% um, um, of the respondents believed they would not be approved. Um, do you find that um, a lot of people are, are maybe thinking they want to um, borrow but um, are afraid of borrowing from the SBA? We talk to all people all the time that have fears about um, the ability to gain an approval for the, the funds necessary to do what they want to. There's you know people that have fears of just owning the business in general um, because it does require a lot of responsibility and um, managing people and um, understanding buying contracts and cash flow and financials. So there's, I mean, we, that's where um, Bo and I's um, commitment to the pharmacy industry and, and only working with pharmacists, we sort of understand sort of what's going through uh, prospective buyers and owners' minds before um, they get into it and sort of can offer some counsel in that regard. Um, but I mean, it's been a great time to get approved for an SBA loan through the pandemic. There's been a number of incentives that the federal government has, has, um, given to banks to make business loans. Um, there's also been some, um, some stimulus measures that were put in place that helped small businesses. And so that's sort of the benefit of being in an SBA loan, um, is you do have the federal government sort of looking after your best interest um, as you move forward, that if we do have another version of this pandemic uh, sort of arise, they'll, um, there is aid and financial assistance that can be offered through the SBA, which is helpful. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that too. Um, as Drew mentioned, a lot of people have fear of maybe a higher price tag or a purchase price for a store or a higher loan amount. And, you know, in my experience, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that's that comes with more risk, but uh, typically speaking, the higher price stores or higher volume stores are the stronger stores. And that's in doing our underwriting that, you know, the first thing we want to make sure is that that business is viable and that it can support the, you know, the debt. So um, I wouldn't be scared off by a higher price tag or, or a higher loan amount. Well, that's, that's interesting to hear. Um, it sounds like you, you two have, uh, done a few loans uh, how many loans have, have you all done in, in uh, since you've been started because i know drew you've been doing it for i forget how many years now seven yeah eight or something no, like that. The april will be 10 years uh 10 since we since we got into to doing pharmacy loans and uh now we've done a lot of loans bob we have um at one point in time we, we were more active than any other lender in 
the pharmacy space and we're one or two each and every year in number of pharmacy loans um, that we will close and um, we'll go to all the trade show events and very committed to the space and um, it's it's a good place to come to to receive counsel to receive good service for um, your application and, and through the paperwork of SBA um, and also you know an ongoing supportive role as well you, you, know, you only need one number here your loan officer's number, myself or Bo, and we're always there to listen and to help and to give advice where we can um, and also talk about, you know, what we see in the industry and what we're hearing with other business owners. Hey, um, you know, we've kind of touched um, and it sounded like we were a little bit talking a lot about uh, purchasing a pharmacy, but um, those aren't the only type of loans you have to offer. Uh, what other types of uh, loans are out there? I mean, are there existing uh, you know, if we have, maybe we have a lot of people listening that might be thinking about buying a store and thinking about having, having to borrow, but, uh, what if you already own a store? Are there, uh, offerings you have that would help them also? You know, honestly, we, we do a lot of repeat business. Um, you know, I think the NCPA stats show that, um, majority of the people are multiple store owners. Um, and so you know, obviously if you own a store now, you're looking to buy another or start another. Uh, we can we can help with the financing needs there, uh, or if you're just looking to expand your services and, and you know need some additional funds to either uh, remodel or or just some additional working capital to manage growth, we've we've done those those type loans as well. Yeah, and and you know the other thing Forbes reported that 44 percent are more willing to apply for a small business loan than they were pre-pandemic, um, but. Um, let's say I'm an owner and I'm not thinking to expand. Are there any other types of loans you have? Anything else you can lend me money for? I mean, over the course of 10 years, you've kind of done it all. Um, if, if you're a pharmacist and you own an independent pharmacy uh, and you have a financing need, I bet we've done it uh, over the course of our run here. And that, I mean, that can look like we talked about purchasing a store, starting a store, um, expansion, I would, you know, view expansion, Somebody called me last week. Uh, we helped them buy a store four years ago. The next town over, a busy independent sold to one of the chains, and they want to backfill that. So that's kind of an expansion of um, their existing operation and, and wanting to backfill that that market. Um, work, working capital, you know, say you've had um, a good bit of growth or even opportunity to get into a different segment. Uh, maybe may there maybe it be DME. Um, you get some nursing home contracts with long-term care, uh, refinancing business debt. Say you bought uh, a store and you didn't borrow from a traditional bank, but you may have borrowed funds from a wholesaler. And, and wholesalers in our in our industry do do a good bit of lending, and and sometimes it's you know on favorable terms, and sometimes there's better interest rates out there, uh, and you can improve your interest rate by a couple points, and we can help refinance that debt and lower your payment and improve your cash flow. Uh, building buildings, buying land, uh, constructing. Say you're in the middle space of a strip center and you've always wanted to be on the corner with a drive through uh, and that lot becomes available. You could buy that and construct a building. We can do interim construction loans and then roll those into permanent SBA financing. So the possibilities are endless. Um, you know, you always feel free to pick up the phone and call and, you know, can uh, let us know what you what you're thinking and what your plans are, and we can see if there's a good program here at First Financial Bank that might help you with that. At what point would you consider 
uh, would I consider refining an existing loan? I mean, what are rates now, and and what would be what would be a rate that you would say, hey, you you need to refi that? Well, certainly it's a good if, if there's a um, balloon on your uh, current loan. Say it's going to mature. You got ten year amortization, but you only have a five year term. So at some point in time, you're going to have to either go back to the bank that you got the loan from, uh, renegotiate and get a, a new loan closed, or you can come to us and see what rates are. Um, you know, we looked into some stuff that were around eight, seven, eight percent and rates right now are five or, you know, sometimes less than that. So um, we can, we can certainly look at it. You can lower your monthly payment by stretching that back out over 10 years. A lot of times it will lower your, your payment um, and that'll help with your cash flow, give you more funds to um, grow and expand your business or however you want to use it. And maybe just add additional staff. It'll help your, your just cash flow altogether. Um, really, you just there's a lot of different uh, reasons to, to refinance debt, but I mean, mainly it's interest rate, improve your payment, which ultimately everybody's trying to increase their cash flow, give, give themselves a little bit more breathing room. Bo, do you have anything to add on that? Um, you know, I would say Drew hit the nail on the head, but uh, one one more to caution. It is a little difficult. Uh, we know we have to meet SBA requirements and guidelines. Uh, refinancing an SBA loan with another SBO, SBA loan is a little tricky. Um, we haven't had a whole lot of success with that, but um, again, probably at least worth the conversation. Perfect. So we've been talking about the SBA loans. You know, I think uh, having um, talked to people and been to trade shows myself for, for many years, uh, you know, I think there's a, a misconception out there that um, SBA loans are just so awful and so difficult to deal with that, uh, and the paperwork is is amazing. Um, what, do you, what do you really have to ask for? What, what do I need as a, as a borrower? And, and what should I be getting from the uh, um, current owner if I'm looking to buy a store? You know, what kind of uh, documentation are you going to need? And, and how hard is it to get all that together? I'll, I'll back up to the, to the first part of that, Bob. I think one of the things that's, that's critical that you want to do when looking for a lender um, is find somebody that's one as a preferred lender with SBA, which means they don't have to uh, send everything into SBA for approval. They can issue the, the approval and the loan authorization in-house. Um, First Financial Bank does have that preferred lender status. Uh, and then secondly, I think it's important to look at somebody that does a lot of volume, uh, that knows what they're doing. You don't want to, you don't want to find an SBA lender that's, you know, you maybe down, like you said, a local bank down the street that does two or three a year, uh, because there are a lot of things that go into it. So finding somebody that, that does a large volume and knows how to expedite things and take as much off the borrower as possible. Uh, would be important. And then lastly, uh, somebody that's got pharmacy experience and understands the business and, and uh, understand there are a lot of nuances in, in independent pharmacy and, and that, that can be beneficial too. Drew, you want to touch on things that we'll ask for? Yeah, I can, I can speak to that. So we'll ask for just the, the typical things that you would want to review as a potential buyer uh, that that you might expect. We'll want to see the past three years of business tax returns uh, so we can see how the business has performed over the last three years. We'll also want to get the current year's financials, profit and loss statement, uh, business balance sheet um, to make sure that the 
the business hasn't had any downward trends or anything that we need to make note of. Um, top 100 drug report, uh, we like to look at and make sure um, everything looks good there. And then from you personally, we'll, we'll want to see your past three years tax returns um, from an income standpoint, uh, personal financial statement, uh, a resume template, which gives us sort of a snapshot of what you've done over the course of your career and education. Uh, so we can work with you and, and obtain all that information electronically through email, and, and we'll do a lot of analysis ourselves and communicate that back to you over the phone to see what we're seeing in terms of trends and, and cash flow. Um, but really, it doesn't have to be um, a long, drawn-out, exhaustive process. When you work with lenders that know what they're doing and work with lenders that are specific to uh, your industry, uh, in this case, pharmacy, it can really uh, be somewhat seamless. So, hey, Drew, you mentioned a personal financial statement. And um, let's say, you know, I'm I'm a new borrower and I haven't really had much experience in filling that, that kind of thing out. Maybe I, I bought a house along the way, but it was a few years ago. And um, is it just pretty much creative writing? How accurate does that uh, personal financial statement have to be? We want it to be. We want it to be accurate. Um, I mean, there's there's ways to sort of figure out what what houses are worth these days. Uh, we want you to check your account balances prior to. We don't have to have it down to the to the penny, um, but we do want it to be um, you know a good representation of what your financial picture looks like. And and a lot of people um, get nervous about their student loans. Maybe they're not too far out of school and and still carry a pretty significant student loan balance. That's okay. Um, student loan payments are usually pretty reasonable, and 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 we're not um, you know, that that won't catch us off guard or catch us by surprise. We we understand that pharmacy school is expensive, um, so for the most part, as long as you pay your bills on time, keep your uh, you know credit card balances to a minimum, and just handle your finances responsibly, that that will not be. Um, that won't prohibit you um, from getting a loan. It's, it's more about the store and, and experience and you as an operator more than anything of what we're looking at. And, and I'll chime in here. We, you know, we will pull a credit report. So, you know, that will have all, all your, all the personal debts on there uh, with balances and payment amounts. So, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be checking that. And then obviously, you know, a good credit history is important. Now, you know, there, there are instances where, Credit reports get dinged up for whatever reason. Uh, you know, we see a lot of medical stuff that, you know, can fall through the cracks or, or cause a credit report to, to have a negative impact. But, um, you know, if you do have, you know, some some negative things on the credit report and you have an explanation, we, we a lot of times we can work through that. And, and Bo, what kind of credit score are you looking for on the, uh, when, when, when you looked at uh, the credit report up. as long as it's clean you know we like to see 680 or better 680 or better okay first financial bank is one of the nation's leading small business lenders originating nearly 400 million in pharmacy loans their lending team has over 75 years of pharmacy experience and includes pharmacists current and former pharmacy owners they have the industry specific expertise and knowledge to help you finance your pharmacy. Learn more at ffb1.com. That's ffb, the number one, dot com. And, and if I'm a borrower, um, being uh, experienced in banking and that type of thing, and, and maybe I have a 600, what do I do to improve my credit score? 
Well, number number one, more than anything, is, is you know, get some revolving credit uh, that is on monthly pay and make those payments and make them on time. Uh, don't let anything, you know, typically anything 30 days past due uh, will cause a negative impact on the credit report. Large credit card balances or revolving debt, uh, you know, if, if you do get some revolving debt, make sure to keep the balance low or, even, uh, you know, and sometimes they, I don't know the exact, but a lot of people say don't pay it off completely every month or you won't, you won't establish any credit history. Um, but keep a low balance. You don't want, you don't want all, you know, all your revolving debt or credit limits maxed out. Okay. Let's, let's turn back to the, the seller now, because, you know, one of the issues um, we always have when a store goes for sale is how much is it worth? And um, I know from personal experience, when you own a store and you've run it, built it for uh, 20, 30, 40 years, you have a very high opinion of what that store is worth. Um, and it's pretty hard as a uh, as an advisor to come in and, and call that baby ugly. But so um, how do you value a store? Uh, you know, it, there are multiple, multiple valuation uh, techniques out there and, and formulas for valuing a store. Do you use three or four of them, or is there one that you focus in on that works uh, the best from a banking standpoint? We use uh, methods based on cash flow. So your EBITDA, earnings before, interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, that's basically a number of how much uh, money the business makes uh, and then how much cash flow there is within the pharmacy. Uh, that's the one that we're going to lean most heavily on. Um, and that's going to, if you take that number, that EBITDA number, multiply it times three, three and a half, there's different multiples out there that are kind of your rules of thumb. That'll give you the goodwill uh, value of the business or your prescription prescription file value. And then we'll add inventory on, on top of that. So more times than not, that's the way we're going to be looking at it from a valuation standpoint. And, and most sellers, and, and we deal with a lot, Bill and I do, uh, just on in the field and, and putting deals together they think their store is worth more than it actually is. Um, and so I would just encourage buyers to really learn about cash flow and look at cash flow and analyze the cash flow uh, and communicate that back to the seller. Because most sellers don't want to put buyers in a situation where they're not going to be able to pay their bills and, and uh, things are going to be tight. And, and so a lot of times if you just you know show them, here's what the, the store produces from a net income standpoint, here's what I'm going to be looking at, and here's the loan payments I got. Uh, you can kind of back into a value that way that um, is reasonable and that's bankable because uh, you do have to have a valuation that, that is bankable and that we can we can support with a third-party you know, independent business valuation, which are required on SBA loans. There are other ways to value stores, you know, change, look at dollar per prescriptions. Um, that's not really relevant when you're looking to take out a loan. Uh, you want to make sure you can pay that loan back. So uh, that's typically how we're going how we're going to value businesses these days. I'll, I'll add a few things there. Um, number one is it, it, when when looking at the, those earnings, um, you know, a lot of times we will have to make some adjustments um, or normal, as you mentioned earlier, normalize the EBITDA. And what that means is, you know, if you if there's if there's some things are non-recurring after the sale, for instance, the sellers you know, paying his own car lease or insurance or, or uh, it's, it's a situation where the owner or the seller is drawing a salary, but they're not actually working there. Those would be 
adjustments or addbacks to that income. Uh, another thing that's important when, when doing it is when we look at these financials, and a lot of time we're looking at interim financial statements too, is what's, you know, how accurate are they? Um, are they written down on a napkin or are they prepared by an accountant? Uh, so you want to have, you know, some comfort level in what you're looking at it is a true picture and it is accurate because, you know, I can't tell you how many times that, that we have the conversation, the seller says, well, you know, there's, there's cash there or something or something like that. And, but they can't, they can't pinpoint it on a, on a financial statement or a tax return. So we need to be able to identify if we're going to add it back. So if you're looking at these financials and um, they just don't add up, um, you know, it's the, the tax return doesn't match the financial statements as a borrower, uh, you become a partner with that borrower and assist them in, in taking a look at those things, I would assume, right? And say, hey, you know, we're not going to be able to bank this loan because, but uh, give them a good idea of, of why you're not uh, going forward with it. Is that a right, a good assumption there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I always hesitate to, you know, to tell people what it's worth. I mean, we see enough of, we, we have a good idea and we know what's going to support um, but ultimately, the, you know, the seller is going to say, well, you know, the, this banker guy, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a banker. He's not a pharmacist. Um, but yeah, it's got to, it's got to be able to support the debt payment. And if, you know, if it doesn't, we don't want to lend on it. The borrower doesn't want to buy, buy it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, but you know, at the end of the day, ultimately the, the store is worth what somebody's going to pay for it. So, you know, if they want, if, if the buyer wants to, you pay a premium for it for whatever reason, and they want to bring more cash to the deal or have the seller finance some of it. Um, you know, we're only going to lend on what it's worth. So, so cash flow becomes really the the final analysis, doesn't it? Um, when you look at it, if if the deal doesn't cash flow, the sale price is uh, is not right, and the and the buyer is going to have to bring in more cash to the deal if they want to buy it. Is that that's pretty accurate? I would say, wouldn't you? Very accurate. Yeah. I mean, if, if the cash flow doesn't support the debt payment, then either you're going to have to renegotiate the price, bring more money to the table or have the, the seller carry uh, a note. So if I'm a buyer, is it, it is it pretty advisable for me to do a, do a cash flow analysis on my own before I even uh, take a look at it as, as part of the negotiation process? So when I come to you, I've done a cash flow and say, hey, this looks like it works and then you can do yours and see if it matches and see if the cash flow works. Yeah. In, in a perfect world, that'd be great. But I mean, you know, I, I also understand that that's not what, you know, most borrowers do on a day-to-day -day basis. Some are more sophisticated than others, but especially a first time buyer. So I always offer, offer it up to anybody that says, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this store. Here's what they're asking for it. Uh, would you mind taking a look at it just preliminary? And I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. And, and really in pretty short order, I can turn it around and say, hey, yeah, this thing's got legs or it doesn't. Hey, Drew, let me ask you a, a, a different question on, on a different topic. Expanded services. We've seen a lot of um, um, immunizations take off within the pharmacy world because of COVID. How do expanded services play into your your look at a, at a potential uh, loan? How, how do you look at those? Is that any different than what you look at uh, traditional pharmacy? Yeah, we get various calls and and requests and needs 
um, all the time. I mean, this morning, someone called and had an infusion opportunity uh, administering monoclonal antibodies to a skilled nursing facility and needed you know, funds to hire nurses to, to help with that and equipment. I mean, it's, it's, it can be a lot of different things. If you, you know, even long-term care, robotics, or um, getting into different you know, durable medical equipment. There's a lot of different segments um, that you can get into in, in pharmacy and niches uh, that can be very valuable uh, to diversify your your offerings and your businesses and uh, to make yourselves more profitable. And, and a lot of those services have better margins than just dispensing drugs. And so it's advisable to, to look at those opportunities. Um, some cost, um, you know, and, and require financing and, and some don't, um, but we're here as a resource for any and everything that, that our customers and, and, you know, prospective customers might need. And, and Bo, I know you've done a lot of loans that um, haven't been just traditional pharmacy, but uh, Drew, you actually uh, own some non-traditional type pharmacies, um, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. Uh, we have uh, several different businesses and two partners, but we have Home Infusion, which is taking medicine to patients' home once they're discharged from the hospital with antibiotics. Um, we also have an infusion clinic, which is run by a nurse practitioner where patients come into the clinic and get different types of specialty infusions and injectables. We have a non-sterile compounding pharmacy, which is your you know, creams and ointments and hormones and those type therapies. And then we have a traditional retail uh, community pharmacy as well that um, sort of all work together. Uh, they're all separate entities and sort of do their own do their own thing, um, but they're all um, sort of joined and, and work together and refer patients back to one another in different ways. So um, yeah, we got a few things going on. And, and Bo, I know you've, uh, with all the loans you've done over the years, and you've done a bunch, uh, you've also looked at uh, non-traditional type services and, and have funded pharmacies that have non-traditional type services. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, it, it, they're all, you know, pretty much related or, or you know, like kind of like Drew said, they may be different entities, but they all, you know, kind of come back to pharmacy. But, uh, yeah, we've done some uh, some DME uh, some long-term care type stuff. So we've been talking a lot about what you can do, but what about, are there limitations on, on, on SBA loans? Um, is there any cap on it? Can, uh, can I just borrow in indefinitely, um, from the SBA? You have a $5 million cap. So, um, once you have $5 million of outstanding SBA debt, then, then you're you've reached the end of your runway um, in terms of SBA, and there are some some revenue um, gross revenue limitations as well. To where if you get over, I think the the threshold right now is thirty million in, in sales. So if you're over thirty million with your business, then you're no longer considered a, a small business in SBA's eyes. Uh, and so there's different um, rules and requirements that you have to be on top of and pay attention to. But you know ninety. Nine percent of the time, most you know pharmacies out there will qualify um, and can use SBA funds up until they get to that five million dollar mark. So, and we have plenty of customers that that have done that, come back to us multiple times, and 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 kind of run their tab up to to buy different businesses and invest in different opportunities. So, um, we see that quite often. And it's important to keep in mind there too. That's not you know if you have a partial ownership in a company that has an SBA loan. 
that is going to go against your cap or, you know, it's not like in a husband and wife, you can't have the husband with five million, the wife with five million. Um, they're going to, we're going to view those together as well. Well, we've covered a whole lot of topics when it comes to borrowing uh, from the SBA. Uh, but let me hit, hit you each one at a time. Bo, is there anything else that you can add that we may not have covered or anything else you want to say about SBA lending and, and specifically, if you like, about First Financial Bank? You know, I just, uh, again, I, I think uh, you're going to, if you if you work with us, First Financial Bank, you're going to appreciate our approach. I mean, basically the conversations we're having here is about how the phone call is going to go. And I think Drew mentioned earlier, it's not going to be like you're passed along to several different contacts and have 10 different people asking for information. You'll get, you'll get our contact information and we'll be with you throughout the process and really, you know, throughout you know, the, the relationship past the closing, um, be, be here to, to help guide you and review things and then hopefully uh, help you expand and, and buy more stores in the future. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm confident in, in what we do and I, and I think you'll, you'll appreciate our approach and, real easy to get along with. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're a community bank and, and most of these people are, are community pharmacists. So there's a lot of synergies there. And Drew, I'll ask you the same question. Anything else you want to add or anything else we haven't touched on? Oh, we covered, um, I thought we covered everything. Well, I, first financial bank has a strong commitment to independent pharmacy and we still believe in, in the profession and in the industry and, are committed to it um, for the years to come. And I, I still think it's a great way to, to make a living and to build equity and wealth over years. And, you know, we see a lot of drugstores that, you know, they're not, they're not making as much money as they used to, but it's, it still beats um, working for the big box chain stores, in my opinion, all day, every day. And you can have some real satisfaction that you're taking care of your community in the right way. And, um, you know, you're, you're building a business and ultimately once these, stores pay off their debts, you know, most of our deals are 10 years, you can really um, make a good living with with independent pharmacy. So we, we believe in it, I think it's the best uh, uh, patient care um, model out there. And I think that's important. And it's it's good to be partnered with such good people, pharmacists or, or trusted um, professionals in their community. So it's good to be, uh, you know, in this in this fight with them. Um, but yeah, I think First Financial Bank and, and Bo and mentioned it would be great to work with. We'd entertain any any and every loan request you might have, and uh, hopefully we can give you some good insights and counseling along the way. But um, we'd be happy to talk with you. One other question, or I guess it's one other point I can make here for you, is um, I think uh, you, you both do um, and, and are um, at a lot of different trade shows. So um, there's an opportunity to to actually meet you in person at these shows. Uh, do you have any shows coming up that you'd like to mention that you'll be at? I think our first show, Bo, correct me if I'm wrong, is is PDS, um, Pharmacy Development Services in Orlando. I think that's uh, February 17th through the 19th. So we'll be there, have a booth. And we attend probably uh, 15 to 20 industry trade shows a year. So you can catch us at different buying groups, the major wholesaler shows, um, we will be out and about. Um, so we would love to to meet you if you're going to be at trade shows. And I think most likely you'll find a first financial bank representative at uh, most of the trade shows out there. And we also have 
Our website is www.ffb1.com and you can find links to our pharmacy page and get Bo and I's information there. And um, we're pretty accessible. Um, reach out anytime. And I believe uh, in addition to the ones you mentioned, the NCPA, we're, we have a, a booth at NCPA every year, I do believe. And um, y'all will also be there. So if you're at any of these trade shows, make sure you, you wander around, find a, find a, a, the First Financial Bank booth and um, say hi to these guys. Um, I, I, I really appreciate having you all on. And this has been a great interview. And uh, thank you both for uh, being with us today. Thanks for having us, Bob. Enjoyed it. Glad to do it. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Insiders. To access all of the podcasts on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, visit us at pharmacypodcast.com.